Good morning. Um, I'll go ahead and first apologize for my uh, absence <laughs> and um, for my dog that will be barking um, while I'm doing this. Again, I'm just a, a mom and a wife just recording this from um, my living room. So nothing professional here. It's just a way to get um, this wonderful book, Divine Intimacy, um, and other books that I plan to record in the same way by Father Gabriel of St. Um, Mary Magdalene. Okay, so this this day, actually yesterday, starts the, the first season, I mean the first uh, day of Advent. Um, and the readings correspond, obviously, as, as they all have. Um, so I will go ahead and read yesterday's reading. So the first Sunday of Advent reading and today, the Monday, first Monday of Advent, um, reading. Okay. Let's call to mind that we are ever in the presence of God by, uh, making the prayer, the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord is coming. I place myself in his presence and go to meet him with all the energy of my will. First meditation. The name of the Lord cometh from afar. I look from afar and behold, I see the power of God coming. Go out to meet him and say, tell us if you are he who shall rule. These words are taken from today's liturgy and in reply it invites us, come, let us adore the king, the Lord who is coming. This coming was expected expected for long ages. It was foretold by the prophets and desired by all the just who were not granted to see its dawn. The church commemorates and renews this expectation with reoccurring advent, expressing this longing to the Savior who is to come. The desire of old was sustained solely by hope, but is now a confident desire founded on the consoling reality of the redemption already accomplished. Although historically completed 19 centuries ago, this longing should be actualized daily, renewed in ever deeper and fully reality in every Christian soul. The spirit of Advent liturgy, commemorating the age-long expectation of the Redeemer, will prepare us to celebrate the mystery of the Word made flesh by arousing in each one of us an intimate, personal expectation of the renewed coming of Christ to our soul. This coming is accomplished by grace. To the degree in which grace develops and matures in us, it becomes more copious, more penetrating, until it transforms the soul into an altar Christus. Advent is a season of waiting, and fervent longing for the Redeemer. Drop down dew, ye heavens, and let the clouds rain, just one, the just one. Meditation number two. In today's epistle, Romans thirteen eleven through 14, St. Paul exhorts brethren, it is now the hour to rise from sleep. During Advent, the springtime of the church, we must arouse ourselves and bring forth new fruits of sanctity. Even now the Apostle shows us the great fruits of Advent. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we have been somewhat drowsy and languid in our Lord's service, 
Now is the time to arouse our li- ourselves to a new life. To strip ourselves generously of our meanness and weakness. And to put on Jesus Christ, that is his holiness. In order to help us attain this end, Jesus encourages us by reminding us of his love in coming as our Redeemer. He comes to meet us with his grace. It is infinite mercy that inclines to us. On the other hand, the church in today's gospel, Luke 21, 25-23, puts before us the last coming of Jesus as a supreme judge. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with great power and majesty. He came with love to Bethlehem. He comes with grace into our souls. He will come with justice at the end of the world. Christ's triple coming, the synthesis of Christianity, an invitation to a vigilant, trusting expectation. Lift up your heads, for your redemption is at hand. Call to prayer. O my God, word of the Father, word made flesh, for love of us, you assumed a mortal body in order to suffer and be emulated for us. I wish to prepare for your coming with the burning desires of prophets and of the just who in the Old Testament sighed after you, the one Savior and Redeemer. O Lord, send whom you are going to send, as you have promised. Come and deliver us. I want to keep Advent in my soul, that is, a continual longing and waiting for this great mystery wherein you, a word, became flesh to show me the abyss of your redeeming, sanctifying mercy. O sweetest Jesus, you come to me with your infinite love and abundance of your grace. You desire to engulf my soul in torrents of mercy and charity in order to draw it to you. Come, O Lord, come. I, too, wish to run to you with love. But alas, my love is so limited, weak, and imperfect. Make it strong and generous. Enable me to overcome myself so that I can give myself entirely to you. Yes, my love can become strong because its foundation is the intimate certainty that it will be repaid by the love of God. O Lord, I cannot doubt your tenderness because you have given me proofs of it in so many ways with the sole purpose of convincing me of it. Therefore, trusting in your love, my weak love will become strong with your strength. What a consolation it will be, O Lord, at the moment of death to think that we shall be judged by him whom we have loved above all things. Then we can enter your presence with confidence despite the weight of our offenses. Of course, that's from St. Therese of Lisieux. Just can tell it's her um, from the way. O Lord, give me love like this. I desire it ardently, not only to escape your stern eye at judgment, but especially in order to repay you in some degree for your infinite charity. O Lord, do not, I beseech you, permit that this exceeding great love which led you to become incarnate for my salvation be given in vain. My poor soul needs you so much. It sighs for you for a compassionate physician who alone can heal its wounds, draw it out of its languor and tepidity, and infuse it into a new vigor, the new enthusiasm, new life. Come, Lord, come. I am ready to welcome your work with a docile and humble heart, ready to let myself be healed, purified, and strengthened by you. 
Yes, with your help, I will make any sacrifice, renounce everything that might hinder your redemption, redeeming work in me. Show your power, O Lord, and come, come, delay no longer. Today's reading, um, Monday, the Advent, to continue, just make them into, um, in the same recording. Invitation to Sanctity. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. I place myself in the presence of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament, contemplating him as a redeemer and sanctifier of my soul. Where sin abound, grace did more abound. Romans 5.20 Adam's fall brought about the destruction of God's plan for man's sanctification. Our first parents, created to the image and likeness of God in a state of grace and justice and raised to the dignity of children of God, were hurled into an abyss of misery, drawing with them the whole human race. For centuries, man groaned in his sin. He could no longer call God by the sweet name of Father. He did not even dare to pronounce his name, regarding the Most High with a sense of terror. He is a powerful and terrible God, and the God of justice and vengeance. Sin made an insurmountable abyss between man and God, and man groaned in the depths of the abyss, utterly incapable of rising from it. To do what man could not do, to destroy sin and restore divine sonship to the human race, a Savior was promised, the most merciful God, so loved the world as to give his only begotten Son, John 3.16, for its salvation. The Word, the splendor of the Father, and the figure of his substance became flesh in order to destroy sin, and before grace to us, restore grace to us, that we might once again be called and really be the children of God, John 3.1. God wants us all to be saved. For this reason he gave us his Son, and with him and through him and all the means necessary for salvation, Therefore, if a soul is not saved, it alone will be responsible. Call to prayer number two, or meditation number two. Jesus was not satisfied with destroying sin and meriting only a sufficient amount of grace for our salvation. He did much more, and he himself declared it. I am come so that they may have life and may have it more abundantly, John 10.10. This plenitude of life is the plenitude of grace, a supernatural life which causes sanctity to blossom. Sanctity is not reserved for a few. Jesus, by his incarnation and by his death on a cross, merited the means of salvation and sanctification for all those who believe in him. He, the all-holy, came to sanctify us and taught us, Be you, therefore, perfect, as also your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5.48 Jesus not, Jesus did not give this precept to a chosen group of persons, nor did he reserve it for his apostles and close friends. He proclaimed to the multitude who were following him. St. Paul received his message and announced it to the Gentiles. This is the will of God, your sanctification, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. And in our times, the church, speaking through the great Pope Pius VI, I'm sorry, the 11th, has repeated it in strongly and on many occasions to the modern world. Grace has called the whole human race to lofty heights of sanctity. There are some who say that sanctity is not everyone's vocation. On the contrary, it is everyone's vocation, and all are called to it. Jesus Christ has given himself an example for all to imitate. And elsewhere, let let no one believe that sanctity belongs to a few chosen people. 
while the rest of humanity can limit itself to a lesser degree of virtue. Everyone is included in this law. No one is exempt from it. Jesus comes not only to save me, but to sanctify me. He is calling me to sanctity and has merited for me all the graces I need to attain it. Call to prayer. It grieves me, my God, that I should be so wicked that I am able to do so little in your service. I well know that it is my own fault that you have not granted me the favors which you gave to those who went before me. I grieve over my life, Lord, when I compare with it with theirs. I cannot say this without weeping. When I meditate, my God, upon the glory which you have prepared for those who persevere in doing your will, and when I think of how many trials and pains it costs your Son to gain it for us, and how little we have deserved it, and how bound we are not to be ungrateful for this wondrous love which has taught us love at such a cost to itself, my soul becomes greatly afflicted. How is it possible, Lord, that all this should be forgotten, and that when they offend you, mortal men should be so forgetful of you? O my Redeemer, how forgetful are your men! They are forgetful even of themselves. And how great is your goodness that you should remember us when we have fallen and have tried to strike you a mortal blow, and that you forget what we have done, and give us your hand again and awaken us from our incurable madness so that we seek and beg your you for salvation. Blessed be such a Lord. Blessed be such a great mercy and praise be he forever for his merciful pity. O my soul, blessed forever, so great a God, how can a soul turn against him? O Lord, although I know how much this poor soul of mine has cost you, yet how often have I offended you, resisted your grace, been unfaithful to your love, and deaf to your invitation to a more perfect life, to sanctity. You, my God, have given everything. You have given yourself entirely for me. Therefore, it is not seeking too much in return to ask me to give myself entirely to you. To give you everything in order match. In order to match your love for me. Yes, I know that you are not satisfied with my thinking only of saving my soul, just as you were not satisfied to acquire for me only by the means of necessary for my salvation, but willed also to acquire the means necessary for my sanctification. You have already purchased and paid for all of them. Therefore, I do not become a saint. If I do not become a saint, it's entirely my own fault. But, O oh Lord, how can a soul as weak and as miserable as mine, one so full of faults, selfishness, and meanness, aspire to an ideal as high as that of sanctity? Oh, yes, my pretensions would certainly be the greatest terrimentary if you yourself had not shown me this is exactly what you will. You have given me a precious commandment concerning it. Be therefore perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5.48 I beseech you, O Lord, repeat this sublime invitation to my poor soul, pressingly, compellingly, so that held... By this ideal, it may be urged to greater generosity, stronger resolutions, and more complete confidence in your merciful work of redemption and sanctification. Amen. Amen. Amen.